if you would turn with me to Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Hear the word of the Lord. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehezetek, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord, be strong. O Joshua, son of Jehezadek, the high priest, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yes, once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. And the later glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Seven million positive COVID tests have been counted in the U.S., over 100,000 businesses have closed due to COVID-19, and students all over the U.S. are online. Unemployment rates are skyrocketing, and 267,000 deaths were counted as of Monday morning. Everywhere, people are being tempted to look at the world and our current state and say, it's just not how it used to be. We use words like new normal, or new routine to describe the current global societal state in which we currently live. The people of God, us, the body of Christ, may have the temptation in this time to grow weary and lack faith in the Lord. It's a scary time. This temptation, temptation that we exhibit in this time reminds me of the people in Haggai 2. The first point of the evening is the prophet, the people, and the state of the temple. Look with me at verses 1 through 3. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehezadak, the high priest, and to all the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house? in its former glory. How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? The first point of this evening, the prophet, the people, and the state of the temple. The prophet, Haggai, 
was sent as a mouthpiece of the Lord for the Lord in the midst of a straining time for the people of God. You see, in chapter 1, the people of God are called to begin the rebuilding of the temple. When all that laid in the rubble from before was the foundation from the temple that once laid there. And regardless of this you know, seemingly insurmountable task that laid before the people of God, they acted in obedience and pursued the Lord's will of rebuilding the temple. The Spirit commanded them, and they obeyed. Now Haggai is speaking now, in chapter 2, to the leaders and all the remnant of Israel, the people, and telling them to look at the temple foundations. It's nothing. It's not how it used to be. Israel was struggling. The Israelites were fresh out of the dreaded Babylonian exile, and the state of the world was what one could call a new normal. They were growing spiritually weary, and they were rebuilding their entire society. And at about a month in, the people of God became disoriented. They looked at the labor that they had done on the previous temple foundation, and they were insecure, weary, and dissatisfied with the state of the new temple. Haggai, in the beginning of his exhortation to the people of Israel, begins with those who were among the gathering that had previously seen the temple in its former glory. These people of old would have most likely have been the men and women in their 70s or older that would have remembered the golden beauty that was the mesmerizing temple that Solomon had previously built. They thought back to the glory of Solomon's temple, and they see now a temple foundation that was nothing. It was nothing. It wasn't as pretty as Solomon's, or as strong as David's, or even as spiritual as the Mosaic temple. It was literally nothing. And yet, while today we aren't building a physical temple, or coming out of Babylonian oppression, we are in fact dealing with our own disillusioning times. Between the coronavirus and our own new normal, to the politically divisive climate of America, it may be hard to really trust in the providence of God during these times. And I think that the Lord, in his beautiful sovereignty, has, a timely, has timely words for us here in Haggai that apply right here to all of us tonight. Today, the people of God, much like Israel, could possibly have the temptation to look at the current state of the world and think, just like the Israelites, and look at their personal ministry or labor in the Lord and think, it's just not how it used to be. It's nothing. Do you look at your current state in the midst of today's contents and think it's nothing? Do you look back to the glory days of ministry in times when you may have made strides or felt rich in your affection for Christ, and now you sit in your current season and say, it's just not how it used to be. Now they are standing and looking at the work that they, had been, that they had done on the foundation of their past. They see the old foundation and the long journey of reconstruction that was ahead of them, and it truthfully would have seemed as nothing in their eyes. And yet even in the steep task that lied ahead for the Israelites, the Lord called them to three things in the midst of their strenuous situation. Which brings us to our second point. Look with me, verses 4 through 5. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be 
strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord of hosts. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. This is our second point. Be strong, work, and fear not, because the Lord is with you. Be strong, work, and fear not, because the Lord is with you. There are two key things within this section that are significant. First, the three applications or or commands, and secondly, the reality of the presence of the Lord that is with the people of God. So the first, actions or commands, and secondly, the power behind those actions. Being strong. Being strong would have looked like a daily endurance for the people. Getting up and relying on the Spirit of God to fuel them in their daily construction of the temple. For the Israelites, the Lord essentially says, keep going. For us, it's a continual exhortation. Keep going. And to have a spiritual endurance that fuels you to be strong in the midst of your labor in this world. The Lord isn't asking them to conquer the world or to take some incredible fate, but he is telling them to simply endure and to survive. And here, Haggai is telling the people to be strong in the Lord and to us to endure. Now in verse five, we, or verse four, we see work. Working would have been the physical building of the temple. And today, our work is sharing the gospel and loving one another. Then, work looked like hammer and nails. And today, it looks like gospel-centric conversations with coworkers who don't know Christ, or it looks like inviting members of our church over for a meal. The work continues regardless of a pandemic and politically hostile environment. God is encouraging us to continue to labor for his divine purposes. And I understand that many may not feel comfortable doing things in this season, and I, and I totally understand that, but I would encourage us to find new ways that are loving and reaching the lost in ways that we feel comfortable in the process. Be strong, work, and now for our third command, fear not. The command to fear not in the context of the Israelites was to fear not because they probably were scared of a lot of things. Oppression from other aggressive enemies like Persia, or even the temple not looking as great as it was before. And brothers and sisters, we have much to fear like the Israelites. COVID, political hostility, day-to-day fight against sin. But the same reason why we should not fear is the same reason why we are able to be strong and work. Church, this is where the true beauty lies within these commands and all the commands. God is with you. There are two remarks that the Lord makes that are neatly embedded in verses four and five. The Lord says, I am with you in verse five, and I am in your midst. Church, the Lord is with you. He is with you. Notice that before the Spirit called them to rebuild the temple back in chapter 1. And now that same Spirit that called them goes with them. You see, the Lord does not merely speak to the people in an inconsiderate way, pushing them to essentially get over their situation and just obey. 
but he instead graciously reminds them from the beautiful reality of his presence with them in the midst of their labor. God is with you. It's because the Lord is with you that today as a church, we can be strong during the COVID-19 pandemic. It's because the Lord God is in your midst that as saints of the kingdom of heaven, we can work and choose to fear not when the wages of the world begin to toil on our soul. I love this. In verse five, the phrase that Haggai uses, in your midst, actually translates in the original Hebrew as amad, which also happens to be the same Hebrew verb phrase that is used in Exodus 33 when the pillar of cloud is standing in front of the entrance of the tent of meeting in Exodus 33.10. This is so cool and totally worth mentioning because while our English Bibles unfortunately not allow, always allow us to see the intimate in imagery that is shown in the language of the Lord literally standing among the people, we serve a God who wants to stand with his people. Look back to the verse 5. He says, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. From the beginning, the Lord has longed to be with his people. Brothers and sisters, God is with you. With the Christmas season that we are currently in, I'm often reminded of the beauty of the presence of the Lord, Emmanuel, God with us. We have a great comfort knowing that we can be strong, work, and fear not because the presence of the Lord is with us. Regardless of the state, season, year that comes by and our wages to the world, the Lord is with you. And while the presence of the Lord is rich and beautiful, brothers and sisters, the Lord has even more for his people. Look with me at verses six through nine. I love this. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yes, once, yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The later glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Our final point of the evening will be the truth that there is both judgment and glory. There will come a day when the Lord will shake the heavens and the earth. This shaking is a reference to judgment. The Lord will shake. The Lord will judge. And we all have to stand before the judgment seat of God. And when the Lord shakes in judgment, what is left standing will be the ones who were with God. But if you're here tonight, or you're joining us online, and you have not put your faith and trust in God, may I plead with you, repent and turn to Christ. You may find yourself resonating with the Israelites. You may feel that disillusionment or weariness from the world. But if I may ask you a question, where is your hope? Friend, there is no true hope 
other than hope that is put in Christ Jesus. If you do not know God, you have no hope. Your sin demands punishment. And God, being rich in mercy, sent the Lord Jesus to atone for the sins of the world. He was fully man and fully God. He lived, he died, he was buried, and he was risen on the third day. And the free gift of eternal life is offered to all of those who choose to follow Christ. This free gift of salvation is offered today. The shaking that will judge the world will not leave you among those who are in God if you are not repentant and you haven't turned to him. Believe in God. And when the Lord shakes, be among those who are left standing on Christ. From the judgment, we now go into the promises. There are three promises laid out in these final verses. First, the Lord promises that the nations will come to him. And secondly, he promises the coming of Jesus as the greater temple. And finally, that he will give his people peace. So first, the promise for the nations. The Jewish people would have thought in physical treasures or a physical temple. In verses 7 and 8, he highlights treasures from the nations as well as silver and gold. He says, the, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. He even says, the treasures of all this nation shall fill this house. Very physical words. But this new temple is Jesus. And the Lord is promising to bring all the nations in to that which is Jesus Christ. He was foreshadowing the grafting of the Gentiles into the kingdom of God. And then on top of that, in the second promise of a better temple in Jesus, the Gospel of John tells us, in John chapter 2, 18 through 21, Jesus tells us himself, so the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it up. Then the Jews says, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. And, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. In Jesus is the better temple. Where God used to dwell with man, now God's dwelling place with man is in Jesus Christ. The whole point of the temple was to point to this, Jesus Christ. The whole point of the Bible, the salvation of the world, the nations, are going to be brought into the temple. That is Jesus Christ. And what will they find? Our last promise. Peace. If you are with God, you have peace. In Christ, Israel and the nations will come to Jesus and find peace. But beloved, come to the temple and lay down your sins and take up peace. And just as Israel was looking forward to this greater temple, we are looking forward to the peace that is to come with Jesus. They, saw, they looked forward to the first time. We get to look forward to the second time, standing there face to face for all of eternity. And while now you can have peace with God that comes from God, one day we'll have complete peace with him. Friends, believers, the only way to find true peace in times like these is to confess your sins to Christ and to trust in his death and resurrection. And on that day, the day to come, we will experience perfect peace. Be strong 
work and fear not. The Lord is with you. The Lord is going to shake the earth in judgment. And then us, the believers in Christ, we will have peace in Christ for all the years of eternity. Pray with me, church family. Father, you are so good. And you long to be with your people. Emmanuel, God with us. We love you so much. We're so thankful for your word and the prophet Haggai and the commands of being strong and working and fearing not and the promise that you are with us and one day will shake the heavens and the earth. You are a good God who brings peace. In your most heavenly name we pray. Amen.